Greetings, friend. Welcome back to the Wayfarer Podcast. I'm Tom Vanderwell. Appreciate you joining me again today on this chapter of the journey. We are in John 17, and it was verses 15 and 16 that resonated with me today. It says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Today's podcast is entitled, Me and Babel 2.0. Earlier this year, Wendy and I were on the back patio with friends late into the evening. One of the things we like to do in the dark of night is keep our eyes peeled for meteors and satellites and constellations and planets and other interesting objects in the night sky. On that night, I spotted a satellite which basically looks like a moving star, and it was trekking slowly from west to east. But then, there was another one, like right behind it, and I'd never seen two of them so close and moving in the same trajectory. Then came another one, and another one, and another one, and another one, and they just kept coming. So I pulled up the internet on my phone to find out what we were looking at, and we learned that evening about the satellite train. The brainchild of Elon Musk's SpaceX, it is a long string or train of 60 satellites at this point. They follow one another, one after the other in orbit. And SpaceX plans to eventually have 12,000 of them in low orbit to provide internet service everywhere (laughs) on the earth from space. Fascinating. It's an amazing time to be alive and to make this earthly journey in life. In the course of my lifetime, the world has arguably changed more rapidly and drastically than in any other time in human civilization. Advancements in technology and science are beginning to outpace our ability to comprehend the effects of all that is suddenly possible. And along with the progress, quote-unquote, has come a sharp decline in the number of people who adhere to traditional Christian belief systems or attend institutional Christian churches. And one of the things that I have read consistently about in this trend is the criticism of that, that followers of Jesus and churches in America haven't done enough to address social justice issues and the problems of our world. Today's chapter is traditionally known in theological circles as the High Priestly Prayer. John records Jesus praying just before he was betrayed by Judas and arrested. And in the prayer, Jesus acknowledges two important things. First, that his followers are not of this world. And in my experience, Jesus is acknowledging that those who follow him have expanded their worldview beyond this earthly life to God's eternal kingdom. But after acknowledging this, Jesus consciously chose that his followers not be removed from this world, but be protected from the same prince of this world that will see Jesus crucified within 12 hours of this prayer. In the world, but not of it. To quote Hamlet, I, there's the rub. How do I, as a follower of Jesus, hold that tension in the world, not of it? 
So that's what my soul and mind are chewing on in the quiet this morning. And here are a few of my thoughts. First off, I, I confess that critics of Christianity are not wrong. Followers of Jesus and the institutional churches of history have not done enough to adhere to personally fulfill Jesus' mission of crossing social boundaries and loving the outcasts and caring for the poor, myself included, mia culpa. At the same time, history has taught me that revolutions and reformations typically paint complex realities with broad brush generalizations and then throw babies out with the bathwater. Despite the moans and wails of how awful of a state our world is in, here are a few undisputable facts. In 1966, the year I was born, 50% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty. In 2017, that's dropped to 9%, even despite population growth. When my parents were young, average life expectancy was between 30 and 40 years of age. In two generations, it's risen to 72 and it keeps climbing. In 1975, 58% of children with cancer survived. By 2010, it was up to 80% and continues to get better. In 1980, 22% of one-year-olds received at least one vaccination. In 2018, the percentage is 88%. In 1970, 28% of the world's population was undernourished. In 2015, that number had dropped to 11. In 1900, roughly 40% of children died before the age of 5. By 2016, that percentage was down to 4. In 1980, 58% of the world's population had access to a protected water source. By 2015, the number was 88%, and it keeps climbing. So it's easy to cast a stone at the institutional church, its members, and cast stones regarding all that it hasn't done and all of the problems that they have created. But I also know many believers in my circles of influence who, led by their faith in Jesus, and dedication to his mission have given their lives to contribute to the numbers that I've just quoted. I think of Scott and Marcia, who have helped mobilize native efforts in Eswatani, what used to be Swaziland, Africa, to care for unwanted babies, to lower the spread of HIV, to increase access to clean water, and improve agricultural yields to feed the local population. I think about my friend Tim and an entire host of people in our own local gathering of Jesus followers who have done a similar work in Haiti. Learning from the mistakes of the past, they are helping native Haitians create sustainable and healthy life and community systems. And even in the last day, have been collecting resources to be able to help the natives on the ground after the earthquake of just a couple of days ago. I think of my college sweetmate Tim, 
who has dedicated most of his career to helping care for impoverished children and single mothers around the globe. He's now leading a nonprofit to address the remaining 12% of the world's population that still need a protected water source. You know, I have long believed that with the technological age, I may just be witnessing humanity's next great attempt at building a Tower of Babel. Instead of bricks and mortar, we're using processors and fiber optics and CRISPR and satellite trains. But the goal I observe is the same. Nothing is impossible for humanity and we ascend to be our own God. I find it fascinating to observe what I perceive to be Babel 2.0. And and that we largely still speak the same language, but our transmission and translation are increasingly confused. What one intends to say, what they say, and what the other hears and interprets to have been said are incongruent. Language is hijacked and redefined in a moment by one part of the population. New words are created, defined, and they trend within one part of the population, while everyone else in the population failed to notice. They are therefore ignorant and confused when these words come up in discussion and the news and on social media. So what does this mean for me today? I mean, I don't run an institution, nor do I want to. I'm a follower of Jesus. And as such, I have a worldview that sees beyond this world and incorporates God's kingdom into my earthly worldview and existence. I want to accomplish his mission of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And personally, I take that responsibility seriously. This earthly journey is not about biding my time until death and eternity, but rather trying to bring a kingdom perspective into my everyday intentions and choices and work and actions and relationships. I am in this world, a world which remains the dominion of the prince of this world, which is why Jesus prayed for my protection on that fateful night. Jesus asked me to affect this world with love and service and generosity, the same that he exemplified. And he told his followers, myself included, to be, quote, shrewd as a serpent and gentle as a dove, end quote. And so I enter another day of the journey with those intentions. I hope you have a great day, my friend. FYI, added three messages to the messages page at TomVanderwell.com. Feel free to check them out. We'll see you back here tomorrow.